0: Well, good morning. What's up, Illuminate Church? How are you guys? Good to see you. It has been, I was thinking about it this week, uh, over like 12 years, uh, 15 years, I've known Pastor Tim. We served together on staff over in Brandon. And then I remember driving over as a youth pastor uh, during a season where uh, we were doing youth over here, some, sometimes over here by, uh, over by the Chick-fil-A in that old, like, strip plaza. Do you guys remember that? And, uh, man, congratulations just on all that God has been up to here at Illuminate Church. And congratulations on the new building. Are you guys excited? It's just incredible. And uh, so I send my greetings uh, from Meadowbrook. And uh, lead pastor, Pastor Tim Gilligan, wanted me to say hi to you guys, and uh, we're just so honored to be, I'm honored to be here today to get to share with you, and uh, we love Pastor Tim and Christine and and this team, and just, it's just been cool to see all that God has done in and through Illuminate Church, and you guys are just getting started, amen? Amen. To get into that new building, I saw the pictures out in the lobby, man, it is, oh, I, I know you guys are excited, and so... I'm uh, gonna be praying for you guys as you guys continue to make your impact even bigger uh, in this area. And so, well, I am so glad to be here. I'm here with my uh, beautiful wife of 32 years, my high school sweetheart. And uh, I got a little picture, a picture of my family and I've uh, been married for 32 years and ministry for 32 years. And I uh, have two amazing kids, uh, two in-law kids that we just absolutely love. And then we just had our fifth grandbaby uh, in a matter of about five, six years. And so, grandpa life and grandma life is the best life. Can I get an amen from any grandma and grandpas out there? Like, it is the best life. And so, um, man, I'm just excited. This series, how many of you all enjoyed this series? It has been so good. And uh, I know I've been watching along this summer. And I know God's just encouraged me in, in huge ways throughout this series. And if you remember, just a little bit of review, and I would encourage you, if you missed a week, go back and check out uh, some of the weeks or one week that you missed. And uh, I guarantee you, God's gonna use uh, this entire summer. Man, it's been an encouragement. It's given me hope, and I know it has you too. But Pastor Tim kicked off this incredible series, Antidote, and it's been this deep dive into Romans 12. And, uh, and as Pastor Kim even talked just a minute ago, this whole series has been designed to give us hope. And uh, we've either walked, we are walking right now, or we will walk through some difficult times. How many of y'all can give a testimony to that, that you've been through some things? And uh, this series, we've learned a little bit too about the opposing forces that are at work, the good and the evil, but we've also learned that it's possible to overcome. And in that first week, uh, as I was listening to Pastor Tim, he talked about 1 Peter 5, and it was such an encouragement to me. And I don't know if you remember, remember this, but he said, stay alert. The scripture said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But verse 9, I love this. It says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And as Pastor Tim was unpacking that first message, man, God just began to stir something in me. And I just believe that in order for us to live out Romans 12, we, gotta, we, got to, we have to stand firm against the enemy. And we have to be strong in our faith. And we have to remember that we are in this together. And then Pastor Bernard, I don't know if you remember, but Pastor Bernard, what an incredible message on holiness and how holiness has been put on the inside of us to give us peace. And then Pastor Kim, where's Pastor Kim? A couple weeks ago, what an incredible word, and uh, we should never be lacking in zeal. And Pastor Kim, I've been trying to live at a 10 since that moment. And then last week, what an incredible uh, just word testimony from Pastor Juan, just on the power of forgiveness and remembering how much God loves us. And so I would just encourage you to go back if you missed one, catch one of those weeks. And so today we dive in to the last part of Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. And just so you kind of have like a big picture of this passage, this is teaching us as believers to reject this whole cycle of vengeance and instead respond to evil with goodness, with love, with forgiveness. And it emphasizes the importance of us living a righteous life, pursuing peace, and trusting in God's justice. And I think as we've listened to this whole series this summer, we have, man, we've gotten so much encouragement in order to do those things, to respond with goodness, with love, with forgiveness. And so today we're gonna pick it up in verse 17. You guys ready? Is everybody ready? All right, verse 17, it says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. In verse 18, I love this. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with just a few people. No, 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 it says with everyone. And then in 19, it says, dear friends, never take revenge, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And I love what the verse says in the message. It says, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. And if you've got it in you, Get along with everybody. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. You got to get along with everybody. Don't, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. I love that. But the question is, and I think we've been trying to answer this this entire summer, how in the world can we do this? How can we live this out in the chaotic world that we find ourselves in. And I think it just gets simple. It's just so simple, right? We just gotta get close to Jesus. Like if that's, that's it. Like we gotta get close to Jesus and that's it. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, let's, let's pray before we dive in this morning. God, thank you for your word. We thank you God for the opportunity that we've had to lift you up. And God, this morning we pray as we dive into your word, God, that you would speak to us, you would encourage us, God, that we would leave with something, God, that we can take and apply to our lives to help us be a light in this world. And so, God, we pray that when everything is said and done this morning, God, that you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, and every single one of these, your people, God, that they would be encouraged today, that's our prayer. And then we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say Amen, amen. Well, we gotta get close to Jesus. And as I was thinking about that verse and that Peter was kind of saying, he was giving this that encouragement to stand firm against the enemy, to be strong in our faith. And I started thinking about Peter. Like, what was it about Peter that he could say that? That he could say, you gotta stand firm. You gotta stay alert. You gotta be strong in your faith and remember that, that we're together in this. And I think we, as we look at Peter's life, I mean, we can see, I mean, his name was changed from Simon to Peter, which means rock. But I really think we have a lot to learn from the guy, especially when we start talking about being in peace with everyone, we can learn something from the guy who was called to be a fisher of men. And think about it. I mean, God had big plans for Peter. He was among the first called. He changed his name to Rock. It was in his boat that Jesus taught the multitudes from. It was his boat where Jesus helped him bring in that big haul of fish, if you remember. It's where Peter first believed. He walked with him, with Jesus, all the way to the end. It was actually Peter's sword, if you remember, that cut off the soldier's ear in the garden when they came to arrest Jesus. And of course, we know that Peter went on to be one of the most prominent leaders in the early church, despite denying Jesus three times, Peter. And I think Peter had the same problem that we have. And this series, The Antidote has been really trying to help encourage us to answer. And we know and we've learned that there's always two opposing forces always at work in our life. There's good, there's evil, there's these things that happen where we, man, we battle with trust or doubt You know, we have at times where our faith is engaged and then boom, we're fearful. And so it's trust, doubt, it's faith, it's fear, it's our past. Like we sometimes get so caught up in dealing with our past and maybe for some it's we're too focused on the future. And then there's God's way and then there's the world's way. And I love Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 in the message. It says, you let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. And the reality is, though, that often what's happening in our world and it's happening around us, it's always happening on the outside. But we always feel it and deal with it on the inside. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kim taught that we are body, soul, and spirit. You guys remember that? And when we experience things on the outside, we often deal with it on the inside. And our soul is where we process life. It's where we think. It's where we decide. It's where we feel. It's where we remember. It's where we can imagine. And we need peace. We have to have peace in our souls in order to live in peace with everyone else. Because if we don't have peace in our souls, and I know you know this is true, I know it's true, we often will have inflammation in our souls. Like, it, it can get rough in there at times. But we know that God alone is the source of real peace. And we also know, if we're believers, that there is no peace apart from God. Isaiah 26, 3-4, it says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Because why? He trusts in you. And then verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I love this verse, and the perfect and the peace, it's the same word. And in the Hebrew, this method adds like it adds great emphasis with those two words. And it means you will keep him in everything shalom as we were singing this morning about peace and being encouraged to think about God's goodness, it it will keep us in everything that shalom, peace implies. And I love it when we can reverse this verse because I think when we reverse this verse, it gives us a little bit of clarity. And it kind of reads like this. Because you trust in him, you keep your mind stayed on him. And he keeps you, in perfect peace. Do you see that order? Because you trust in him, you've put your life in him, you've trusted everything in him, and as a result of that, then you keep your focus, you keep your mind stayed on him, and then he keeps you in perfect peace. And the hard part is keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, because there's things that happen in life on the outside. And then we have to look at Peter's life. I mean, how did Peter keep his eyes focused on Jesus? And I think if we look at Peter's life, we can see that he did it oftentimes the hard way, right? And nowhere this is greater illustrated than in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And just before this passage is the passage where the disciples fed the 5,000. And so just as that was finishing, we pick up in verse 22, and it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And In verse 24, it says, "Meanwhile, Everybody say, meanwhile. The disciples were in trouble far away from land a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I mean, can you guys imagine that? But Jesus spoke to them at once, and he said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. And then I love this. Peter calls out to him, Lord, if that's really you, I can't see you, but I hear you. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter jumped out of the side of the boat and he began to walk on the water toward Jesus. And then in verse 30, it says, but when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out, he grabbed him. And then he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. If I could title my message today, and I really believe that as we think and unpack this a little bit this morning, about living at peace with everyone, I would like to title this, Life is Lived in the Meanwhile. Life is Lived in the Meanwhile. And if you look at that word, meanwhile, it's literally mentioned 189 times. And it means while something else is being done or was being done. It means for now, for the moment, for the present. It's also an, adju- an adverb. And I had to do a little English lesson. Any English uh, teachers in here? Oh, there's a couple, so it, I hope I'm doing this right. But we know that nouns are things, adjectives describe things, verbs are what things do, but adverbs are how they do it. And the meanwhile, as an adverb, is how we do it, is how we do life. Life is lived in the meanwhile. And we all face them, these seasons in life where we feel like we're kind of like in between. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like we're not where we used to be, but we're not yet where we want to be. We're in the meanwhile. And sometimes in the meanwhile, there's, man, there's difficult times, there's difficult circumstances, there's tragedy that happens in life, in the meanwhile. And sometimes we can feel like, in this like in-between season, it can feel like a wilderness experience like we've read in the Bible. And the danger that you and I face in this meanwhile, man, is we often look at this time in the meanwhile, the present, the now. We often view this time with so much impatience. Maybe sometimes believing that, man, God, I just want to get through this, right? I, God, just get me out of this season. I'm ready for this season to end. But sometimes we can miss in what God really wants to do in the midst of the meanwhile. And I know you know this because you've had these seasons. You've had these things happen where God shows up in the present and in the now through a difficult time and circumstance and our faith is encouraged and built up even in those really hard, dark times. And then I think about Peter and this story and Peter wasn't putting Jesus to test. He was instead, if you think about it, Peter was the only one in the boat to react in faith. This impulsive request led him to experience this like crazy demonstration of God's power. I mean, think about it, his faith in that moment, I mean, it had to be big to get out of that boat. I mean, think about all the things that Peter had seen Jesus do previous that ignited him in that moment to step out in the midst of a storm and come to Jesus. And then, of course, we know in the story, Peter began to sink. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the winds and the waves and begin to focus on them. And I think he learned such a valuable lesson that he would begin to take on even further into his ministry. And we may never walk on water. I mean, some of us have tried, maybe when we're little kids. You guys ever done that? Like when you get in a pool, you try to, yeah. It doesn't work, does it? But we may never walk on water, but the truth is we all will go through really difficult seasons and circumstances. And I've learned that when I focus merely on what's happening outside, my focus sometimes drifts to the past or to the present. And oftentimes it's in those moments that we feel like we begin to sink. And so we must keep our eyes focused on him. Because Jesus brings peace, right? He brings peace to the storm. He brings peace in the midst of the meanwhile. And so whatever your season you're in today, you might be in a really difficult season right now, or maybe you're in a season where it feels more like a promised land and everything's going great. And man, you're just so, you're just, everything's just, just squared up right now. Wherever it may be, this meanwhile right now for you, being faithful, remaining faithful, being strong in your faith, and allowing God's peace to come into the midst of that truly is a God-honoring act. So what do we do? Psalms 39 says, what am I doing in the meantime, Lord? I think David understood this really well. He said, hoping, that's what I'm doing, I'm hoping. And so today, I wanna take a moment as we close out this series to look at the importance of faith and the importance of remembrance. As we were singing this morning, and even being encouraged to remember God's goodness, there's so much power in remembering what God has done in our life. And we need to lean in to the meanwhile right now, this season that we're in, so that God can bring peace and that we can live in peace with everyone. And I think we'll also get a glimpse into how Peter kind of wrestled this out. But faith, faith at its core, it's a reliance upon, it's a trust in God, and it's central to us as believers. And the Hebrew word for faith is aman, And it's this root word that denotes, and I love this, stability, firmness, reliability. Like faith is this thing that upholds us. And it also cro- concretely meant to support or uphold like a child, like a parent would, would hold an infant. And I just told you, I just had a grandbaby born um, six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, number five, and I got a picture of her, Adeline Joy King, right there. She is the most precious little thing. But you can tell I got her. Like my arms are wrapped around her. She is not going anywhere. I'm not gonna let her little bobblehead go anywhere. Like it's we got her, and uh, she's just the most precious thing. And then my grandson, Carter, he's about two and a half. Now, his faith might look a little bit different, but he's like, oh, I'm not sure about her. You know, look, Mom, no hands kind of thing. And it was so funny, like in that first week when she came home, I think Carter was kind of like, oh, she's staying? Like, I thought she was going to go back somewhere. Like, yeah, he's getting used to that. But, but faith, faith is that firm strong, stable. Like when we build and get strong on our faith, we can stand in the midst of the meanwhile and God can bring peace into that. And so many people though, I've run into so many people that treat faith as belief in nothing, even wishful thinking. You've probably heard people call it blind faith, but I really believe that blind faith has no place in Christianity. Because what we believe and what we have faith in is solid. Peter addresses this in 2 Peter 1.16. He says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. Eyewitness accounts are not the stuff of blind faith. What God has done in your life No one can discount. Listen, this section over here, what God has done in your life, no one can discount. I mean, what he has done, this section, what he has done in your life, nobody can say anything about because it's real. It's God has showed up in your life and done some incredible things. This section, the things that you've witnessed, your story, your testimony, nobody can take that away. And when we have this personal encounter with Jesus, we have knowledge of the gospel. And not only do we have knowledge, but we acknowledge it, and then we have personal trust in those facts that God is going to save me. He's going to show up in the midst of whatever it is that I'm going through. I mean, Peter, I mean, he knew this. I mean, he knew that Jesus was not just a mere man. I mean, Peter had seen Jesus give sight to the blind He had cleansed lepers, caused the lame to walk. He had raised the dead. I mean, Peter's preparation to be a witness of Christ, I mean, it included some very up-close, close encounters with Jesus. And he approached him with questions and with doubts. And whenever, man, Christ perceived that he needed further training, I mean, Jesus leaned in and taught Peter lessons, even in the story that we just read. You have little faith. He was trying to build his faith in that moment. And I don't know if you know this, but Peter was perhaps one of the most reprimanded disciples of all the disciples, but yet he never got offended. He rather continued to follow the master, daily adding to his witness and learning of him. And so today, listen, your story, your testimony, what God's done in your life, Man, it shapes your faith. It shapes your theology. It shapes who you are so that you can live in peace and be at peace with everyone. But Peter's Peter's faith was built up and encouraged. Psalms 77, 11 gives us a clue how to build up our faith. And it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I was reminded of this about Uh, just a little bit over three years ago. We had just come out of, man, a really rough meanwhile. It had been probably a period of about six years where we lost all all of our parents. And man, that was just a really difficult season. And we walked with my wife's mom through a five-year battle with breast cancer. And that was just, that was a rough time. And I remember processing through that and just working through some of that things and grieving and going to counseling. And man, I found myself in a season where I was really battling, like just really deep, severe depression. And I'll never forget my counselor in one session. And I was trying to, I I was so focused and I was almost too focused on the future that it wasn't allowing me to process correctly in the present. And he said this thing and I'll I'll never forget it. He said, you're so focused, you're so busy focused on the future, trying to get out of the season that you forgot to remind yourself how much God has done in your life. And then he said this, he said, remember this, remembrance unlocks faith. Remembrance unlocks faith. And as faith begins to be built up in us, we begin to, as a result, our increases, our trust, and that peace that he so much wants to give us in our life. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but one of the greatest themes that I've noticed throughout the entire scripture is remembrance. All throughout scripture, God calls his people to remember his goodness I mean, if you look back in the book of Leviticus, God appointed weekly, yearly rhythms of remembrance. For example, the Sabbath was a weekly rhythm to remember that God rested on the seventh day. The Passover was a yearly rhythm to remember how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And then throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites regularly created altars of remembrance to commemorate what God had done. In Joshua 4, they stacked. 12 stones in remembrance of how God miraculously parted the Jordan River and let them cross on dry land. And then the Psalms. I mean, if you look at the Psalms, David and the writers meditate on the works and the wonders of God. They call us to remember God's past faithfulness and dwell on his goodness. I mean, David, think about it. He used past faith. He used past things that God had done in his life to defeat Goliath. He called upon those moments that God had showed up previously that allowed him to step into the meanwhile and defeat Goliath. And then, of course, we see it in the Last Supper. Jesus invites his followers, he invites us, as we take communion, to remember the great thing that he did, to remember the bread, the cup, and remembering of the sacrifice. And it's clear, all throughout Scripture, God calls us to be people marked, by remembrance. And we know that. I mean, there's power in remembering God's goodness. We were encouraged last week to even, in order for us to be able to forgive, we have to remember how much God loves us and how much he's forgiven us so that we can then live in peace and forgive others. I really, it's really love in chaos is what it is. We are called to live love in chaos and then we also know, I mean, there's so much power in remembering. But how many of you know there's danger also in forgetting? The Israelites, if you think about it, they repeatedly forgot the Lord and his goodness to him, to them. I mean, they cycled through seasons of faithful remembrance and seasons of forgetfulness. And when they forgot God, they became captives to idolatry and oppression. Check this out. In Psalm 78, they did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done and the wonders he had shown them. They did not remember his power the day he redeemed them from his oppressor. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that I'm most vulnerable to these opposing forces in my life and them dominating me when I focus my attention on disappointment or pain or the past or too much on the future. When I dwell on everything that seems to be going wrong around me and in my life, that's when, I don't know about you, but that's when the enemy really attacks me. And it's hard in those moments to remember. But the opposite is always true. When I dwell on God's goodness in my life, I have this, man, when I can do that, I notice the ways that he's been guiding me, he's been sustaining me since the day I was born. I mean, when I'm dwelling on God's goodness in my life, I can remember back to those times when I was little or in high school where I didn't even know Jesus then, but man, God was protecting me. And he was providing a way and beginning to to move things in place and plant seeds and do all those things. And Man, I'm reminded when I dwell on God's goodness that he carried me through and the growth that he's done in my life, even in those really difficult seasons. And I'm always struck by the deep and meaningful relationships that God provides in those different seasons. And most of all, though, I'm able to remember the way he has, man, he has unconditionally loved me and forgiven me. Now, this doesn't mean that I just put my head in the sand, right? I I don't just ignore the pain and disappointments in my life, but I don't dwell on them. I don't focus on them alone. Instead, what I do is I want to invite God's interpretation and peace of the painful events that I experience. And there's no doubt, some of us have been through some very man, difficult things, some traumatic things even as children like we carry things into our adult life a lot of pain and disappointment and I want to encourage you today maybe today you needed to be reminded to invite God's interpretation and peace into those painful events and ask God to show you the ways and I guarantee you he will he'll show you the ways that he's acting redemptively in your life. Bringing good out of what the enemy, the enemy wants to take you out. He wants to devour you. But God will bring good out of what the enemy meant for bad. And then we can really truly begin to walk and experience peace and live in peace with others. So as we kind of close this morning, I want to give you four practices. I just did five. Uh, four practices that I've been working on for several years to kind of help me build my faith and then to keep peace in my soul. And the first one is daily gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is such a powerful weapon against, man, against all the stuff that we've been talking about in this series. And so, what I've learned to do, and this is how it works for me, because I have to be reminded of even the small things that God's doing. Cause man, if we can just take a moment. And so I like to take inventory of my day at the end of the day. And I ask God to reveal his goodness and grace to me. And it's been pretty cool because it really does include a lot of small moments like the grace to handle a difficult conversation, energy when I felt weak, or man, the beautiful sunrise this morning as I drive into work. Looking for God's fingerprints in those small things that happen through your day will enable you to see that God is at work even in larger patterns of your life. So what do we do? We give thanks. We rejoice. We lean in. We see all that God's doing even in the little things. And then we pray. Philippians 4, 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace is honestly mind-blowing at times. And his peace, it says, will guard our hearts and minds as we live in him. And the second thing is, so daily gratitude, the second thing is, one of the things that I've been doing for several years is reading old journals. And I have a pic of some of my journals that I've collected over the years. And what I love to do every year or so, I read back through some of my journals. And I don't, man, it's each time I'm struck by the ways that God has been so faithful during really difficult seasons. And I remember when I see that Man, there are times when I was lost, when I was afraid, when I was doubting, when I was angry, but God was at work at ways that I couldn't see at that time. And I'm always awestruck by how God repeatedly uses painful man, situations to draw me deeper and deeper with him. And reflecting on old journals for me, it gives me a fresh perspective even on the meanwhile right now. Because I realize that God's peace, it's permanent, it's secure. It does not change with circumstance. God's peace is secure in spite of circumstances. So I just want to encourage you, if you're not, get into daily intake and exposure of the Word of God. Like we have to be in the Word in order to have peace in our souls. And I just want to encourage you, as you get into his word, God's going to reveal things. He's going to show you things. You're going to read a passage of scripture, and there's going to be a word or a a phrase that pops out at you. Man, and get a journal. Get something to put that in and catalog or do whatever you got to do with it so that you can pull those out and remember how much God has done previously in your life. So daily gratitude, reading old journals. And then a a mentor of mine gave me this one. And he encouraged me to write a psalm. And he encouraged me to take Psalm 136 and rewrite it about my own life, following each example of God's goodness with the phrase, his love endures forever. So my psalm started like this. God, thank you for saving me when I was lost. His love endures forever. God, thank you for the call in my life that gives me purpose. His love endures forever. God, thank you for my high school sweetheart that you brought into my life, celebrating 32 years of marriage. His love endures forever. God, thank you for to my two precious kids, their spouses, our five grandkids. His love endures forever. And God, thank you for bringing us through in the lessons learned the past six years as we've grieved the loss of our parents. His love endures forever. And so as we practice daily gratitude, as we engage in things that God's already done in our life and we write a psalm it just remind ourselves just how good God has been in our life. And then the last thing I'll encourage you with is create an altar of remembrance. And sometimes just drawing an altar of remembrance like the Israelite people did in Joshua 4, maybe it's just writing a specific way that God has been faithful in my life. And you can do this in a lot of creative ways. That visual, man, can be a powerful reminder. And a lot of us are visual learners, and it's good to remind ourselves how good God is. Whether that's a verse maybe you display in your house or something on the wall or maybe something on your mirror that reminds you who you are in Christ. Whatever it may be, but setting something, maybe there's a rock by your you know, by your sidewalk that just reminds you of God's goodness and his faithfulness to you. When I was a youth pastor uh, for 23 years, y'all, I was a youth pastor, and uh, we did some crazy things with students, and one of the things that we did for several years was called the 40-Day Revolution. And during that 40 days, we'd encourage students to fast and pray for God to move on their school campus. And then for 40 days, they would do random acts of kindness on their campus every day for 40 days. And it was incredible. Students would be praying for God to move. They'd be praying for students that sit in front of them, on the side of them, behind them, for teachers and principals. And uh, one year, I'll never forget, we had uh, about 50 students doing this prayer and fasting and serving and doing acts of kindness on a campus. And before that end of 40 days, we saw Like 30 teachers come to Christ. A principal gets saved. Over 500 students that encountered Jesus and were adjoining that FCA club that those students were a part in. And then the last day of the 40-day revolution was called Paint the Rock. And it was just a simple reminder of all that God had done. And we encouraged students to paint that rock whatever color they wanted to, and then they were going to place that somewhere on campus. And uh, the year that we did it, the second year, we had hundreds of students doing it. And then it ended up being thousands of rocks planted on campus. And I remember the principal coming to me and saying, hey, Pastor Tom, we got to chill with the rocks. Uh, It's too many. But create an altar of remembrance. Create a visual of what God has done in your life because he invites us to remember who he is and what he's done. So as we close today, I just want to encourage you especially those of you today that are going through a really difficult time where your faith is being tested. And listen, the enemy would love nothing more that while you're in your meanwhile to isolate you and to, man, just to come after you. And it's often in this place we find ourselves maybe doubting. And we know that God allows our faith to be tested but I really believe it's in the meanwhile that we really see the genuineness of our faith. It develops character in us. It does a purifying work sometimes in us. And also, God always promises help during these times. So as we stand today, if you could have everybody stand, I just want to declare these two verses over you today. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, in your meanwhile, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And what our broken, confused world needs more than anything, it needs people who will just walk with God. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to invite you into a moment this morning, a moment of remembrance. And maybe today you're here and you're in a difficult season, and I just want to encourage you to, This week, maybe today, just remember a time when God was faithful in your life. And allow that time to encourage you. And it's maybe in this meanwhile that you need to borrow someone else's faith. You might need to reach out to somebody and say, hey, man, I I can't do this alone. I need some faith from a brother or sister to walk with me through this. But this morning, most importantly, it starts with a relationship with Jesus, getting close to him. And so this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment. If you're here today and maybe you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you've never, you've never really said, God, I want to invite you in. I want to surrender my life. I want to give everything over to you. And maybe you're here today and maybe you, you have done that, but you find yourself in a really difficult time where you've kind of drifted. You've maybe walked in a different direction and today you came and Maybe even with an intention that God, I'm gonna give you one last chance. And today's your day. God wants to meet you right where you're at. And so if that's you today, you've never given your life to Christ or you need to come home. Maybe you just need to come back to where you used to be with him. And if that's you, on account of three, I just wanna see hand lifted up in the air. I would love to pray with you real quick. And so if that's you, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you just need to come home today and say, God, man, I'm going through a really difficult time. I need to just reset and recenter my life. If that's you, on the count of three, just lift up your hand. One, two, three. Any hands across the room. They'll have some ushers to put cards in your hand. And if you're here today, and uh, man, you may be just going through a difficult time, I'd love to pray with you too. And so if you would, let's join me in prayer. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And God, we just take a moment and just, God, we just recenter, refocus our eyes on you. And God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. And so today we invite him into our lives afresh, God. Renew us. Give us peace so that we can live in peace with others. And so, God, come into our meanwhile, and, God, we pray for healing. We pray for reconciliation, God. We pray that you would move, even move things out of the way so that we can walk through where you desire for us to be. And so, God, we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. And, God, we pray that you'd use us in a mighty way this week. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said Amen, amen.